everyone. This is Sophia from the Gray Stage Podcast, and I'd like to invite all of our listeners to join the Justice for David Crowley and Family Group located on Facebook, where we have almost 4,000 members. In this group, we welcome discussions regarding the case and have all of the documents located in the files section for everyone to review. If you like, you're welcome to visit Greg Fernandez Jr.'s website called The Gray Stage. It's located at thegraystagewordpress.com. You can find his book and all the official documents for this case at his website. Lastly, I'd like to introduce you to Catherine Michelle, who's a part of this podcast. Catherine Michelle has a YouTube channel under her name, where she mainly discusses the Crowley case. So please feel free to stop by and give her channel a like and a listen. Until our next podcast, keep seeking the truth and justice for David Crowley and his family. All right, greetings. We are now officially live. Uh, I hope everybody can hear me okay. If there's any audio issues, please let me know, especially any echo or anything like that. Once again, trying out a new mic, worst possible time to try something new. We are going to go over the, uh, we're going to continue to go over the timeline. So as we do that, um, we have, uh, whoops, there you go. I can hear myself and the monitor. So um, we have Sophia and Catherine have both joined us here, and William Rail obviously is going to be joining us here too for this part two. Last time we didn't really get that far. We made it to page two in two hours, so <laughs> one hour per page. We didn't even really finish page two, so it's really like a page and a and a half. So I want to welcome Sophia and Catherine. Hope you both are doing well, and um, thank you both for. For, for joining us here. I really appreciate that. Um, Thanks, Greg. Absolutely. I'm going to pull up this timeline here, and we're going to go over this. So it says Control-L, right, is what I need. No. Okay. Sorry. Just wait one second. I want to thank everybody in the, in the chat room for joining us. Um, iconic um meerkat buzzing and everybody else who is tuning in i really appreciate everyone joining in this live chat and we're going to go over if anyone in the chat room has any questions any comments anything please let us know and we will try to make sure that we um, also cover those as well so what i'm going to do here is let's see control l bum 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 and Sophia and Catherine, I hope you can both see my screen here. I'm going to transition this. And yep, I now see the it. the public will be able to see our screen right here. So what we have is uh, the Crowley family timeline of important events. And obviously this is an ongoing thing. Also, if anybody has any thoughts or anything that we should add to this, please let us let us know if there's something that we missed something that we got wrong, um, something that needs to be added, changed, et cetera, et cetera. Please let us know and um, 
uh, we can always add that into this into this timeline but um, you know this is a very strange case a very important case and there are just so many aspects to this case so um, I know Dan Hinnon created the first timeline and then uh, William Rail went and kind of has helped to to expand on that and that has really encouraged me and encouraged other people to try to contribute to that so if you have something to contribute to this timeline please let us know you can find this in the justice for david crowley and family facebook group in the file section it's also on my website thegraystage.wordpress.com um, i've added a whole post that it's just going to have everything tied into the to the timeline, the first timeline, the new timeline, anything that we talk about, and the actual timeline. So any updates, you'll be able to find those um, quickly, and uh, hopefully that will help everybody in their research. But last time we really started at the very start, and we went from 1985 when David Crowley was born, when Kamel was born, and you know, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know. I don't know how relevant a lot of this would would be. So. Um, it's kind of like, what do we include? What do we not include? I don't know, Catherine, Sophia, if you have any thoughts on that. Are there things that we should always include? Are there things that maybe we shouldn't include? Should it just be related to the murders? Or are we trying to document their whole their whole life here? What do you think? Uh, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I mean, any little bit of information could be important. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think it could go, go either way. Mm -hmm. um, I think it helps having all the information, but then it also could be distracting. It just depends on what an individual is looking for. That's a great point. So yeah, like obviously the first thought is kind of like, well, less is actually more, but then it's like, well, what is less to me? What is less to to other people? So maybe it's better to have everything here, and whatever people think is actually relevant, they can just focus on that. Right now, William has it down to 37 pages, or up to 37 pages. This is going to grow. There is no doubt, because I've already told him, hey, there's stuff in here that I think we can add from 2006 to like 2009. No doubt we can add those things in there. So um, this should be interesting. I want to say hi to Crip Rick, who is also joining us in the in the live chat room here. Um, all of you should know Rick by, by now. If you have not subscribed to Rick's YouTube channel, it is um, Crip Rick's I've Been Thinking. And he's got a lot of great content. Just had some uh, a great interview with uh, Russell. And always enjoy hearing Russell's thoughts. A very feisty guy there. And um, then he did one the other day with Steven Sanziri, and I know he's got a lot more coming up here too, so I won't spoil any of his future shows that he has coming, but um, uh, Rick also does a show every Monday uh, on freedomslips.com, Revolution Radio, and that is a live two-hour show. It is a radio show. It's the old school, awesome, it's totally just like the old uh, radio format that I was used to when I was growing up so no edits no cuts nothing like that um, and then they also take breaks which I, I think is really cool so uh, anyways check that out too on freedomslips.com and um, as far as anything between what 1990 or 1985 and 2009 um, 
I don't know if Sophia, if Catherine, if either of you have any thoughts about anything in this timeline, if you've looked at this timeline here, there's some interesting stuff here. Um, one, of the, one of the things that you may be interested in or you may you know, want to have a comment on is uh, September 18, 2009, when Kamel's dad creates an AT&T cell phone account for David Crowley. That's pretty interesting because it kind of shows some things that I've been hearing how close David was to Kamel's family. And um, I don't know if you have any any thoughts on that as far as... Uh, I know I, I have a father-in-law, you know, I mean, he, he has since passed or whatever, but I don't think he would pay for my cell phone bill or buy me a, a cell phone. I think that's pretty pretty cool. It shows how close they are. Oh, yeah, I agree. Because um, there's no way even, you know, with my um, children's spouses, there's... I mean, I love my kids to death, and, and their spouses are, are amazing. But even with that, I wouldn't go pay for their accounts. I'd be like, you're on your own. If you can't afford it, too bad, so sad. <laughs> yeah, and that's, um, of course, that changes later on, and we'll definitely definitely get there. But um, I just thought that was that was a nice note there that he would Absolutely. He would I mean, this, like you said, this there's... If there was animosity to the degree that some are saying, there's no way that, why would they? Even though they would love their daughter, they would have put it in her account and then say, hey, if he wants to, he can use your phone. Mm -hmm. But they included David, which says a lot. What day were they married here? Is that, that needs to be on here if that's not. Um, yeah, it has when she became, when Kamel became pregnant, but we really need to add the date when oh no it sits here october okay so yeah when we have the the actual date of when they were they were they were married in, i think it was may oh geez i think it was may 21st i, I know it was may of 2008 um so yeah we need to add that date in there so they're married quickly right within six weeks of knowing each other and then um yeah, at some sometime, maybe one year later, then the father um, pays for David's phone bill, so or created the uh, account. So, is this account under Anjum Alam's name, or is this, you know, is he just paying the bill? Do we know about that, Sophia, or anybody? Sorry, I'm looking <laughs> okay. right now. Okay, uh, I think. He that it's under David's name, but he's just paying it. Uh, I'm, I could be very wrong. Okay. One second. I want to say hi to, to old chick who has joined us in the chat room. Remember you're only as old as you feel. So however you feel, that's how old you are. And also Mr. William rail has joined us here. Strange investigations. You can find him Hello. on Twitch. He's um, always doing something cool, something, uh, live he does a lot of live streams he may be live right now you just never ever no. know <laughs> this this may be the one time he's not live right here um so what's going on will how are you man uh doing all right doing all right just got back from uh, getting coffee so all right cool so you're just kind of waking up feeling out the whole day happy sunday the sun is out the sun is shining it's a beautiful yes, day yes. right yes chemtrails all over the sky chemtrails all over the sky covering the bright sun and you know making lines like prison cells and 
<laughs> just moving right along More like here. Scarfish, you need to work. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh well, there you go. That's a whole other one. <laughs> put out, put your straws to the sky, people. <laughs> All right. Or I guess you know old dollar bills. You know that works too, I suppose. Okay, we'll go with hey, that. Um, Greg, did yes. we say hi to Bazing as well? We did. I hope I did. Okay, because I, I make sure we get Bazing and, and Iconic. and Bazing and Iconic. Um, of course, absolutely. we just, you said hello, well, Rick and then Old Chick. So, That's hi, right. everybody. Yep, thank you all for hello. joining us here. Really appreciate that. Um, you know, we don't go live that much, so whenever we, we do, um, it's always nice to have people. And if anyone in the comments, anyone in the chat room, if you have any comments, any thoughts on this on this timeline, any questions, anything like that, and, like, you know, just looking at it, it just triggered that comment. Um just was who who created David's cell phone in 2009 is is it um is Kamel's dad just paying it, for it or it's under visa insurance and they're the ones who are paying for it which is Kamel's dad's insurance company okay so it, it's under his account right this 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 isn't something that David created on his own is that right no Okay. But the other two phone accounts are under his name. Okay, so at so at some point they get off of Kamel's dad's uh, account and create their own in 2014, in October of 2014, basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, William, uh, any thoughts on anything that we covered last time in our two hours and going over one page of data and we made it as far as 2010 when david met danny right just like harry yeah. met sally david met danny and here 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 we are right here at this point i think this is a very crucial time here when these two forces meet when these well, two actually, I, collide um, I did find something out interesting a little bit about danny august mason recently okay what do you got um so Mary Holt and uh, Cindy Hunt were actually able to track down some posts, and we get to see directly when Danny August Mason was just initially going by Danny Mason. Um, I, it doesn't make too much of a big deal or anything, but I thought it was really interesting. There was a point when he just went by Danny Mason rather than just the whole Danny August Mason. So, um, and and uh, Crip Rick was definitely on to something by saying that's a, it's an actor thing. I, I've looked into it pretty well and it's definitely an actor thing as weird as that is yeah there's a couple actors that uh, a couple famous ones that i can think of and they use their full name right and it's a right. it's a it's their stage name it's probably not their real name but as far as we know this is danny august mason's real name so at right. some point and do you know what what what's the timeline again when that what year about what year uh, so off the top of my head, um, I don't recall the exact date, but it was like MySpace era. Just oh, to put wow. Put that in perspective, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so well before this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that, that would be good to kind of to add in here. And, and again, we were right. talking about this, uh, Will, before you came on, about what should be included here what shouldn't be there's different schools of thought you know is it better to just put things that are just relevant to the actual murders do we throw everything at them and just let them kind of pick pick and choose whatever they think is actually relevant uh what what are your thoughts and what did you think when you helped um with this timeline here so putting together david and Kamel and renia's life prior to the crime itself i feel is it could prove some relevance when it comes to um, 
you know, unless we can actually fully come out and say this person's a suspect, honestly, I don't think we need to be putting, like, you know, anybody else's past in here. Um, I think anything that's going to be relevant from, you know, to the crime itself, things that could be, they're a little peculiar that occurred. Um, you know, things from the journal that were specifically mentioned about specific people, I feel is it's a good thing to put in here, but I would say it's more or less what's going to be important to the case itself. What is like some kind of like a big event that occurred, um, I feel is necessary. Things like, you know, I mean, obviously like, you know, putting like, you know, when Danny Mason changed it to Danny August Mason, I mean, I don't think it's really, you know, necessarily has to be in there. I just found it interesting. Um, that could that, show that, he that maybe he's a period of this to, to that. Yeah, maybe maybe he's at that point where he's taking his film career a little more seriously, right? He's trying to build his brand at that point. Oh, Danny August Mason taking his film career seriously. You that, guys crap on hilarious. his film career, but you know I'm on the opposite end of that. Obviously, I think. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I gotta say is the division commercial or ad, whatever it was, terrible. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I've seen that one. I'll have to go back and look. No, it's at that. it's. You can definitely see he took everything from, that he had learned from David but and I, uh, the bullet exchange. Mm -hmm. He took that directly into it. And, um, yeah, I mean, you can see it. It's very, very, like, right up there in your face. Everything he learned from David, um, mm -hmm. you know, about entering a room, clearing a room, things like this, they were all used in that. So I'm not even sure if he was the one who actually choreographed the whole ad or not, but I'm definitely looking into that because I find that very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. He goes from a guy who's not necessarily choreographing everything or really much at all to now all of a sudden it seems like he's choreographing this whole thing. Hmm. And he doesn't even have any experience really. So, <laughs> so uh, Lou, I want to say hi to Lou George who has also joined us. And I will try to say hi or maybe Catherine or Sophia will help me make sure that we say hi to everyone who does join us in the live chat room as well. Um and uh, we will continue on. I, I just think, you know, when I look at the 2012 um, trailer, you know, the 2012 trailer, it's Danny August Mason. Like, this is his best work, right? Does anyone doubt that? Does anyone think that this is not some of his best work, if not his no, best work here? He is work. the main yeah. character of this whole thing. Like, his character really draws you you in. Uh, it drawed me in, you know. Um, a lot of the other stuff I saw in there, I was like, oh, I don't know what the heck is going on. But he fits that character perfectly, I would think. And then he's taken out, and we're going to get there, and we'll get to that point there. But um, it seemed like he was a very, very big point, a very big part of, of that. So just right. throwing that out there. Um, all right, so when they meet, they met sometime between January 7th and April 13th, 2010. And then we have here on April 13, 2010, David filed a form with the ATF, which acknowledged he was building a customized short rifle AR-15 to be used as a movie prop. This got some some comments going when this data came out. I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on, on that, um, but it was the short rifle used as a movie movie prop. Any Anyone have any thoughts on, on that specifically? specifically i don't i don't even know why you would need to file a form with that he is in 
in the Minnesota state at this point, so I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's anything what, it, relevant about it. It was an AR-15, you said? Yeah, yeah, he was building a customized... Oh, that's probably why. Because it was customized? Because he's building it himself, so yeah. he has to file. Right. That's my thoughts on that, is that he was doing something, adjusting it, modifying it, so... There, it's like the government has really come down hard on those types of weapons because they're assault weapons. <laughs> right, weapons of war. Yeah. What I know, mean? right? Yeah, that, that's, that's the one thing I'm still failing to find any exact definition on when it comes to the government. They don't have any. So mm -hmm. it's a it's a state thing? I know, I know. Or, or a federal. Or, well, ATFs, right? So it must be mm -hmm. federal. Yeah, it's federal. Well, and the thing is, I see connection from this to um, what's his face, uh, Mister. I, you know, let's play Trump on SNL. Uh, Alec Baldwin, that guy. Mm. Um, you know, we see some uh, some things going on there because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I've ever seen one of those weapons. Um, they were, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they were they were um, registered. Um, you know, and that's the thing. It's they're using. Weapons. They're actually using these these firearms on set as a prop, but you know you start loading them up and all this, they can still fire all of the time. So I have heard of certain productions and all this uh, using um, you know actual like strip fake weapons that just look real, but more often than yeah, not, from what I understood, Hollywood and all this, they like to use the real deal, but just make it so there's like no ammunition in it. Um, you know, there's no way anybody's going to get hurt. So. The whole thing, like, prop gun with the whole Alec Baldwin situation. Yeah. Uh, where they were using an actual gun, they just were putting blanks or whatever in there. Right. But they were firing it off the set. Right, <laughs> or, right. like, between things <laughs> at targets. It's like, how stupid can you get? Right. Well, at least David and his crew knew what they were doing. Yeah, they, they didn't exactly need to, to do that on the set because they already knew how to fire those things. Maybe Alec Baldwin didn't, or whoever was doing that didn't know how to do that. Well, so. well see, the thing is when it comes to that, I mean, that was something that has been discussed um, pretty widely when it comes to um, the firearms on set. That's something that all actors, they are trained to use. Right, not necessarily to be super proficient, but they'll know at least the basics on, you know, how to operate it, what what looks realistic, what doesn't, um, what's risky, what's not, you know, things like that. Um, take part in that. I do need to fix that giant space right there. That's terrible. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but uh, you know, the thing is, is that was something that David and Mitch Heil were very very adamant about was gun safety, mm -hmm. and. Um, you could see that through his bold exchange videos. They did go over that pretty extensively, that it was all about gun safety, but at the same time, they do need to achieve a high level of realism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. And, you know, the number one thing in gun safety is never point a gun at a person. Bingo. Well, you know, and... Keep your finger off the trigger when... You know. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and Alec Baldwin didn't follow that. But when you watch the bullet exchange and the hothead 
shows and stuff like that, like uh, Will was saying, you know, they're teaching them the basics and gun safety and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. you're actually seeing it. But that's what they did. That's what they were doing is they were teaching uh, how to use the props and the guns and stuff for movies. And Mm -hmm. they were based in Minnesota for that. Right. So they both met in film school, David and David and Danny, and uh, sometime between April 21st and May 1st, 2010, they began writing the first script here for The Gray State. Um, now, I think, I, I mean, just, okay, because the, the trailer came out in 2012, but I think it took them a long time to really create this, to get this going and everything. But this is a very interesting time here because this kind of shows, you know, they're starting, they're really trying to create a script here. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, is this the script that we have? Because of this one, they began writing in 2010. We have two scripts. One is dated 2013. One is dated 2014. Then we have another one that is also dated 2014 too. So we technically have three scripts. Um, but is this the script that we're that we're talking about? The 2010 one, the one that we have. Um, that's the one that they're really starting to write, right? This may be an early version. We may only have the final version of that script that they started here, but this shows how early back in, back in 2010 that they started writing this. Well, could that have just been like the trailer type script that they were working on or was this the legit movie script? That's a good question. Well, I mean, you can definitely see some of these scenes in the 2013 script. Um, but I think there was probably an earlier script that was just like, okay, let's just get this going. You know, and then they probably did a lot of changes throughout up until there was the 2013 script. That's that's my assumption. Um, I very well could be wrong. I mean, that's okay too. But, um, you know, you can definitely see quite a few of the scenes from the 2000 trailer you can see it in the 2013 script so but I do want to note one thing and that is uh, Charles Hubble's acting in this I will actually say it's actually in my opinion it is far worse than Harris Mason's in this (laughs) you are just (laughs) you are just uh, not a very friendly guy to these guys what's what's up with that oh no no Um, so (laughs) when it when it comes down to it Danny Argus Mason very, very suspicious individual to me. Um, I don't like the fact that he lied to the police Mm -hmm. um, and that they also partook in directing the police in a specific direction. Whether that just be all purely coincidental, just massive air quotes there, of course, um, or if that is, um, you know, something that they chose to do, you know, on purpose, um, I don't really care. It's the fact that it was done. It was directed. They did lie. Um, you know, he even lies about, you know, his, um, his amount of work that he's putting into the actual film itself, uh, into the project, you know, he, he lies about so much and I have a huge problem with that. You know, I mean, there's, there's quite a few of these people that are, 
involved. I'm not, and like I said, I'm not saying they're necessarily suspects. I just find them suspicious, mm-hmm. and I really don't like it, and it bothers me. And as if I would have been an investigator on this case, they would have been, they would have been people I would have had a ton of interest in, just because there's so much. I'm just going to use the term fake news. They were thrown around, you know, um, and tons of false information. It just it it bothered me, you know. And you can see it throughout the rest of the time, and you can actually see that they like to go and uh, throw all this stuff out there that's not really true, you know, and. Some of which, you know, they, they claimed about David's friendship with them. You could see right through the journal, you know, he was not really friends with them at this point either. Um, obviously, it's a little later in the timeline, but still, it's that's why I can't stand Danny August Mason. The guy irritates me to, to no end. So, Well, I I've, I've still have that open challenge to him, so if he ever wants to debate um he's he's always welcome (laughs) to he's the one that challenged me and and dan i said cool let's Mm -hmm. let's do it um i don't think he's a member of the justice for david crowley and family facebook group anymore but i think that's pretty recently yeah he he was for a very long time Uh, but i tried to to tag him in a post and um i wasn't able to so i don't know if he's a member but he always has that anytime he's willing to anytime he wants to have the courage to debate me. We'll definitely do that live. Um, I have no issues with that. Um, so he's always open to that challenge that he put out. Um, right. But, you know, uh, let's see. May 1st, 2010. This is, a, this is a very interesting one. I wish I had the notes because there were some good notes here. Um, David and his brother were very close to officer joe bergeron which was david's uncle and that was kate crowley's brother he was shot and killed in the line of duty in uh minnesota on may 1st 2010 so that is an interesting one that um kind of got lost in the in the shuffle i think but i'm glad that, that that's here i think that is a very important thing here now this ties into the Boston bombing too, because um, kind of maybe maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Whatever you know, whatever you want to say. But um, the guy who witnessed the shooting, one of the witnesses was that was a jogger. He was out jogging, and he I guess saw um, this person shoot this this cop. And uh, that person was a jogger, and he happened to be at the. Uh, at the marathon in Boston when the Boston bombing happened. David Crowley, um, Sean Wright, and a lot of those guys went to cover the Boston bombing after that happened too. So kind of a coincidence or just whatever, and maybe there's no tie in there, but I'm glad that this is in there because it did seem strange that the witness, the only witness who really saw the shooting um, happened to be somebody who was a jogger, a runner, a marathon runner who was at the Boston bombing when that happened and then david and his crew show up later so david is just not doing the gray state too i mean david was doing a lot of other things i'm sure we all get accused of that like like this is the only case that we ever cover right we just this is it that's not true i I don't know any anyone who is only covering the david crowley case there's a lot of other cases and it's kind of strange when you find those ties um strange ties into this case and in into other case cases 
let's see here. Okay, so September 17, 2010, David transferred ownership of his AR-15 to Adam, Schamba Adam Schambauer in the form of a gift. This is interesting because sometimes it's a gift, sometimes it's a sale. So he, sell he sells a gun to a man named David Stark, um, almost the exact same gun that uh, was found at, at the crime scene that David had. So I don't know, he must have had two of the same gun. Um, but it's interesting that he gives the AR-15, and he sells one to Danny August Mason, a 9mm, I think. But um, this one is a gift to Adam Schambauer. So this leads me to wonder about the relationship between Adam Schambauer and David Crowley as a gift, right? That's a pretty big gift, right? An AR-15 rifle. I don't know what the price was in 2010. Um, that's a really nice gift. What do you think about that? That's I just wanted to add that Adam Schambauer also called David numerous times uh, early in the morning before their bodies were found. On uh, January 17th? 17th, uh-huh. Wow like back-to-back -back numerous calls um, and be okay, now back to the gun <laughs> well, well now that you brought that up uh be before that when was do you know the last maybe you can look up the the previous time that adam schambauer had called them beef before january 17th yeah i can look that up okay okay uh catherine any, any thoughts on that no, I was just agreeing. I think that was a, a really good gift. Even if it was a quote-unquote movie prop, it still would be a, a valuable thing to have because if the movie had been able to be created and, and taken off, that could have been quite a piece of, um, I can't think of the word now, a collector's item, so to speak. So I think that's nice. If it's for a prop, I mean, okay, so that goes back, uh, now that you brought that up, that goes back to the... Uh to the prop that David had created, this AR-15. Is that what this is? I'm assuming. I don't know. I didn't read it. Um, uh, William, did it specify if it was the prop AR-15, or did David have more? Uh, honestly, the top of my head, I, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... I think that's coming up in the in the uh, chat room too but yeah i think that's a that's a great question to ask um was this the same movie prop given you know just like hey you know this is just a a prop or was this an actual ar-15 there is a serial number tied to the ar fit to the ar-15 that adam shambauer gets um oh so that's well, then we could figure it out yeah so you could probably figure it out and then uh cross uh reference that with the the ATF form, which I believe that we also have too, that may be in one of the big um, PDF documents. But yeah, I'm sure we can definitely figure that out if it is the same one. Um, but yeah, and you know, and the thing is, is that, um, and I learned this like from from my son, who, like I've told you before, he um, hangs with people who do the professional gun shooting shows that you see on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like AR. Because of what the news states, I always assumed it meant assault <laughs> rifle, and it doesn't. It stands for Armalite. It's an Armalite rifle. It's nothing to do with assaulting anybody. So the news 
um, demonizes this weapon when in fact it's actually a pretty weak little gun. It's it looks intimidating, but it's not as intimidating as as a lot of other things. So, um, and it's definitely not an assault weapon. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and the fact that um, David would transfer, I think, any of his weapons to a or somebody, I would think he would have to trust them or consider them a close friend because he was very smart. He didn't just willy-nilly hand his stuff over. I don't think he ever um, signed over ownership to like Danny August Mason or to Mason Hendricks or even you know Sean Wright for that matter. But you know there are a couple of other people he did. He trusted them. That's right. Um. Okay, so we'll look into that. Sophia's looking into um, the other thing there. And then May 17, 2011, the Alam family sold their Hewitt, Texas home. So, um, and they moved, they, did, they stayed in Texas. So they moved close. They weren't, didn't move that far. Mid to late 2011, David, D.A.M., and Mitch film scenes for the Gray State concept trailer. Um, do we know which scenes those are? I wonder if those are some of those long live or if they if they're um, if those are some of those live streams that they would do. This is some of the early days of doing live stream. Obviously, it's a lot different now, but uh, they would. Uh, I've I've seen a couple of those where David and Danny August Mason and Mitch. I think Mitch was there whenever you see a lot of this stuff that is happening i think mitch is there obviously he's behind the camera he's not in front of of the camera but i think he's there during a lot of this stuff he doesn't get a lot of credit really um from what i've i've seen right it's it's all because it's usually danny august mason in front of the camera david crowley checking the camera um and i think mitch is just kind of there doing a lot of the actual lay work what i would call the you know the real work um that is in, involved in this thing but um this is you know mid to late 2011 so if they're filming scenes for the concept trailer that does make that does take me back to what so sophia was saying about um the when they were creating when they started writing the uh the gray state script right they were writing the script first is kind of what it sounds like and now they're filming scenes for the trailer unless what they were writing was um was the actual trailer but so i'd be curious to kind of know that and obviously they all know that they don't want to share the stuff with us they don't want to really talk to us or anything we're, we're like the plague for for some reason because we're asking questions about their friend who committed from what they say committed this huge crime but they don't want to they don't really want to help us understand why he did it what proves that he did it they have no proof to show that he did any of this stuff but somehow we're the bad guys because we're standing up for their friend Are you interested in the paranormal? Murder mysteries. Cryptocurrency and thought-provoking interviews. Then check out Cryptrick's I've Been Thinking on YouTube. Or every Monday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Studio A at Revolution Radio. Freedomslips.com. 
Welcome to the crypt. <laughs>2011 David transfers ownership of his gun uh, as a gift to Danny Oxme. Okay, so that's another gift. I know there was one sale, so two gifts here. One to Adam Schambauer and the second gift to Danny August August Mason. This one, as far as we know, is not anything. It, this is not a prop or anything like that. Um, but so he gives him this gun as a gift. Um, so they're, I mean, they're, they're close at this point, right? Danny August Mason, David, and Mitch. I mean, there's, there's photos out there of these three guys sitting on benches and, you know, there's, there's, they're really, really close at this point, right? They're building something here. And this is, this is before the 2012 trailer comes out. So all of this is happening before the, I mean, once the 2012 trailer comes out, it's like things get real, right? Things change then, but at this point... It, it's it seems like you know their relationship is really really good and um i don't know what do you guys think about that any any thoughts on that before we get to the trailer i guess <laughs> well i just think it's it's good i did not know that he had given danny august mason a gun so this, this to me is, mm-hmm. is interesting yeah and we do have a section um I think on my website there is a there is a download just called guns and it just kind of cal- it just shows all of the different things that are tied with any guns that were given or anything related to the guns and I think this is one that one of three guns that is in there two were given as gifts and then another one was was sold so that's yeah that's pretty interesting but I mean I'm not just going to give a gift I'm not going to give a gun to somebody if I don't trust them, if I don't know them, if I haven't spent a lot of time with them. And at at this point, they've been in, what, film school for maybe one year, maybe two years, you know, two seasons, whatever you want to call them. Um, But they don't really know each other that long, but it sounds like they're building this friendship here, this uh, friendship that you would think would last a very long uh, lifetime. If you're willing to give somebody a gun as a gift. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Absolutely huge. So you're right. At that point in time, David had to have considered him a friend because, you know, um, a lot of people, they don't, they're very careful who they would transfer their weapons to because they don't, they have to believe that that person would not then criminally use the weapon because they don't want to be responsible for that. So. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's interesting to see the the evolution of their relationship to go from this to the end where he pretty much was like you know we we all know how he felt about Danny August Mason at the end but wow mm-hmm yeah so something obviously happened I mean to drive that wedge between David and them and we only get a glimpse of it in the journals. Which, if we didn't even have the journals, we wouldn't know. Well, that on top there of that, was that wedge. So we can actually, mm-hmm. we should be able to track when there was a decline in conversation points to the phone. Um, but we'd mm-hmm. have to go through the old timeline, just like the only the first time we see Mason Hendricks pop up ever when it comes to the phone records is like in March. So, um, or two thousand fourteen. But um, oh, can I add yeah. something really fast? Sure. With the Adam Schamberg uh, phone calls, David didn't answer them. Right. Oh. Okay. He, well, he did prior. If you look on the old number five um, timeline, he mm-hmm. actually he did answer. He was at, he would call him and things like this. Um, so I'm I'm curious as well as when exactly their relationship fell apart when he started not wanting to really be you know have them in his life. Um, you know, we yeah. get to see these little glimpses through the journal, but that's, you know, we go all the way back to April for that, but before that, we don't have anything. So I think we're going to be, we're going to have to be reliant on the phone records to see basically when, when this occurred and then we could, should be able to cross-reference, um, why did this, why did these relationships start to fall apart? Well, you know, and, yeah. and from, you know, my own personal experience and with other um, writers, I belong to a, um, a group of people who would get together because they're all, um, we're, we're writers trying to get books published, and this was um, in a different state. And I, I'm telling you, there's nothing that will destroy your relationship with another person faster than someone who tries to claim credit for something you've done. Within our group, it's, it's very common, and this is why writers go to these groups. You will present your writings, and, and people, and you say, okay, everybody read this, tell me what you think, give me your critique. So people then critique and say, hey, you know, maybe you should add this here, or maybe you should take that out there. And at that point, you then could or could not add or, or remove a suggestion. Um, which I, which is what I see has happened here between David and Danny a lot. I maybe Danny suggested some stuff, and maybe you know um, David added, but we know at the end, David completely took out a whole ton of stuff, which seemed to be, um, if you're backtracking, a lot of stuff that maybe Danny had had suggested, and Danny's still trying to claim ownership. No, this is mine. I was writing it with you. And David's like, uh-uh, no, 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 this is my work. This is my blood, sweat, and tears. So that would cause a huge rift, you know, because you have someone now trying to lay claim to your hard work, your blood, sweat, and tears. You're the one who's staying up, writing on, on days on end and missing meals and missing family time, while this other person just said, hey, maybe that person could go shoot a gun or say this these words, and now all of a sudden they think they're part of the script. Right. And so, yeah, and um, thank goodness that doesn't happen a lot. You know, in our group, thank goodness nobody tried to lay claim to another person's writing. But oftentimes, um, we, we would take each other's suggestions and we would rewrite a certain chapter or a certain few pages based on what this other person said. But that, again, it doesn't mean that they are now co-writer. And, and that's the same thing that I see happening with David between David and Danny. And... 
I, I just see why, for me, it's like, and it may be wrong, I could be seeing something in, that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but the fact that um, the rift could very well be between Danny and David is to, Danny was trying to, like I said, claim something that was not his. Well, one thing I'd like to add is, I mean, I agree 110% here. I think that's what exactly happened. We got to see, um, there's footage of Danny, August Mason, Mitch Heil, Kamel, and David Crowley all at the same table, and they're going over the script. Mm-hmm. We know the two biggest people that were working on the script. It wasn't Mitch Heil and Kamel. Kamel and Mitch Heil were almost like proofreaders, and they were kind of like the ones that were just kind of, okay, well, maybe we can add some suggestions. Danny August Mason was very, very much involved, but we know that David did kick him off. We know that because you can see the difference between the 2013 and the 2014 script. Completely different in a lot of ways. Um... They went down the same path, of course, you know, when it came down to, you know, there's the, the I would argue, the hero sacrifices there at the very end. Um, you know, even in the 2013 script, even though it's not as, you know, up in your face. But um, when it comes down to this whole thing falling apart, I, I fully agree with you that it's probably something along those lines because we know that back in July, um, before uh, Rania's party, David was already talking to a lawyer, um, trying you know go and getting this contract written up so that way they can go and send it off to Danny August Mason. So he they basically say you're off the team essentially. Um, I think that's what what was going on, and I think that maybe he got wind of it maybe early on. Maybe there was some talk, um, you know, because like I said, you see it this decline in their. Um, in their conversations, because yeah, prior and it, to you're, you're right, and it wouldn't be much of a stretch for Danny to to start to maybe figure things out, you know. And again, I see this as Danny misunderstanding his um, um, adding things to this. When you sit around a table and you're all brainstorming, that doesn't make you a writer. That right. doesn't make you a creator. The person who takes these ideas and then creates the script is what David was doing, and they're tossing ideas back and forth. Again. You know, I think Danny took that as, oh, no, see, that's my script. Right. And David's like, uh, no, you tossed out an idea. In, in his, I'm saying in his mind, no, you tossed out an idea, and then I took an idea, and I wrote a script. Right. And then when Danny started to dig his heels in, thinking he owned what he didn't own, and then David, I mean, you just see it. You see where it's it's now like... Um, a Peter Pulse, so to speak, if there's mm-hmm. another way, I don't know of another way to put it. No, no, it's mine. No, it's mine. No, it's, and it, and Danny never got it. It was never his. And so David then was going right. to go the legal route, which is what he should have done in the first place. But now he's like, okay, this is really going a different direction. So I'm going to get legal representation and get this really in my name. And you know, as we see, all hell broke loose from that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the thing is, that's that's enough, in my opinion, that could be easily construed as motive. Absolutely. So, you know, it's it's one of those things, I mean, by no means is anybody here saying, oh, these guys did it per se, but it does give speculation for motive here. This is this is a reason why somebody would kill people. We've seen people do this before. Oh, um, yeah. cases. Exactly. So, I mean, it's this just throws even more speculation that, okay, well, why isn't, why aren't the police looking at this guy here? 
you know, they had this information. The thing this 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 timeline is also proving too, based on what we're all saying here too, is they did not put together a timeline. If they put together a timeline, they'd see these things. Right. They clearly didn't. They just looked at okay, this is what we got. They looked at it all separately. Maybe a couple times they might have, you know, okay, well this looks like this might fit here. They weren't putting together a puzzle at all. They just looked at oh look, these are some puzzle pieces. Okay. Uh, they relatively look like they fit. Okay. We're just gonna go and run with it. This is what we're thinking it's gonna be based on a couple here. But even then they were like you know, pushed in together, you know, forcefully. It wasn't like this does actually work. Right. So. I, I like that puzzle analogy. That really fits this because it's like they say, oh, okay, look, these are all shades of blue, so it must be the same puzzle without right. trying to put the pieces together to see if they actually fit. That's a great analogy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I do try. One thing <laughs> that the timeline shows and that the journal shows is that David and Kamal did not suddenly pull away from people. Right. That this happened over a period of time and that it wasn't part of their spiral into madness kind of right. thing at the very end. So that kind of debunks the narrative too. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I to me that's helpful because this shows me, okay, look, he got the attorney and this was back in the summer that he got the attorney and he's already talking about these people and how they're being leeches and stuff like that back in the summer and so this wasn't like right after the party and I mean no wonder the party seemed awkward for several people Yeah. although David and Kamel didn't lead on to that with the journal and their their stuff, but yeah, because I'm sure it was awkward. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I had a question. Um, do people have to pay a tax when they sell again? That's a good question. I don't like, know. I don't own any, so <laughs> because a lot of because what David writes and he on that contract was this is a gift. It was not sold. Right. So I'm just wondering, because I know that some people, when they like sell a car to a friend or a relative, they'll do it for like a dollar. Right. So that the sales tax or whatever, when they register it, isn't super expensive. And I'm just wondering. No, I think maybe it's just because it's easier. It's an easier way to, to get, because um, I think there's certain paperwork you have to fill out and it becomes a pain in the butt if you're actually going to sell something because then you have to run them through background checks. I'm just assuming because I'm thinking of what you have to do if you go to purchase a gun at a gun shop. You have, And it, I don't think it would be any different if you're trying to sell to somebody because otherwise if you don't vet them legally, you could then be responsible if you sell it. But if you're gifting, mm-hmm. that's a different story. Uh, it does appear that, um, yeah, they, they are, they can be taxed. Okay. And rather, I mean, like, by, I, I'm not sure if it's state or, I'm still looking into that, if it's state or if it's fire or uh, federal, um, but it does look like firearm sales, there's a tax. So, and that's, but that's then again, we all know what they've all preached too is taxation is theft. So, mm-hmm. you know. There's that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's what makes it weird about the whole David Stark thing, because I don't know who David Stark is. 
I have no idea who this guy named that. Yeah, that's the (laughs) who is David Stark? Is he Tony Stark's son or something? I have no idea. (laughs) But but David Stark is 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 the one that David um, um, sells a handgun to, which is interesting because the hand um, excuse me, the handgun was actually purchased by David's wife. So David's wife buys buys it um, back in July of 25th, 2009. And David is the one who sells it in July of 2012 to David Stark. Now this is a Springfield XD40 cow, and uh, like I said, we do have um, we do have a whole document. It's like 12 12 pages on my website, um, and it does kind of go over through any any of the sales, anything like that, any of the actual transfers, including the serial numbers. So um, from what this says is on June 17, 2012. David sold this handgun um, to David to David Stark, and this is a Springfield XD 40 cal. It just happens to be the exact same handgun found at this crime scene. But I have no idea who this David M. Stark is at all, and it's it's not really clear. There's no there's nothing else included in the files that we have. That's just pretty much it. But it, it is a sale. So whereas the other two are gifts. This is the um, sale, so um, of this gun. So I, I don't know. That's all that I know about who this David Stark is. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try and look into it today. Yeah, the, and, the uh, gun. I mean, the, when the gun was purchased and all that, we have we have that document. You know, this was purchased in Texas. Camel purchased it. Um, and she paid five five hundred dollars basically for it and that was it so she buys it and maybe it's you know they figured david you know she doesn't she doesn't need this this gun at that point as far as 2012 and they sell it and that's it but it's interesting that whereas the other two are, are gifts this one is a sale so that always kind of stuck out to me I, I did put that in my in my book for that reason I, I think it was a little interesting I have no idea again who this David Stark is he's never mentioned in any other well, thing go ahead strange that she is the one who sold it because she's still using David's gun in the future like different like when they go for shooting and target practice and stuff like that you could see photos of her still shooting a gun so it's not like she gave it up it's just they decided to get rid of her gun. to get rid of her and gun. can i throw in a, a side note that has sure. nothing to do with the timeline about the guns sure. um i was when i was doing research on the springfield xd um uh, it was interesting to note that with this particular gun, now I don't know if it goes across the board because I was only researching the Springfield, um, is that when guns are um, produced, especially consecutively, are very close together. So if they're serial number, I don't know how they do serial numbers, but if they're produced very close together, that the striations, the lands and grooves, when they're fired, will be almost identical. Mm. So it would be really hard to tell one gun apart from the other if you're checking ballistics, which I found that very interesting. That really is. That makes me wow. want to look up um, David's the, the serial number found at, at the crime scene and compare this to serial number US163310. Yeah, and um, Sophie and I are getting ready to do um, a, a video on the ballistics only, but not the gun itself. But 
it is interesting to note because there's just so much to cover on this topic we can't get to it all but in the reports it states that they had poor reproducibility with mm -hmm. their test fired ammunition and that tell and that what that means is that they couldn't get the same striations to show or consistently on each bullet fired so how they're coming up and saying things match is beyond me but so that's what led me to start doing research on the Springfield itself. I'm like, well, why would that be? Why would it produce, you know, such poor results? And that's why um, it's just generally not a, a consistent, oftentimes, with this particular gun. So again, I want to know how how could they then, with their own um, results being quote unquote poor reproducibility, then state that this definitely was the gun. Interesting, um, and That's of course, definitely something to think about. Absolutely, um, I don't have the serial number of the gun found at the murder scene. It's not hard to find. It should be in uh, there. I'll so, get it for you. Okay, because I'd like to compare that to this number we have here. Then, one six three three one zero. I I'm not sure how they <clears throat> list their serial numbers and how they number them. So you know maybe getting information from them because are they consecutive numbers I don't know or do they just randomly name something as it comes offline no sure. clue but um, it's yeah it just that was just so so interesting to me the more I, I did um, dig into this this whole ballistics the gun and the bullets I walked away going how can they? I'm shaking my head just by their own results right and that's in the that's in that 40 page BCA report? Um, it's page, I believe, 165 of the 466-page report. Sophie oh, okay. and I will be showing it briefly, oh, cool. that particular cool. part, when we do our video. Okay. So um, look for that coming this week, guys. Nice. Awesome. Great timing Thanks for that. Springfield XP serial number XD5464473. Doesn't match, no. No, not even close, really. No, uh, um, we don't know when that when that one was bought, was it? What do we have that? No, Suppose I don't, we have, don't a have that one. What the heck? For that. Why do they have all this other stuff <clears throat> here? But um, nothing about the murder weapon. <laughs> I would want more about the actual murder weapon than anything here. I mean, this is all great stuff. Yeah. These twelve pages are great stuff to have. But <laughs> what do we know about the murder weapon? <laughs> That's what we would want to know, right? Yep. Hmm. That wouldn't be in the ATF paperwork. I didn't see it Probably there. Not. No, the only ATF one is just the one where they talk about the um, the short barrel barrel rifle. Um, That's really it. It's just, I mean, obviously so there could be other things about the. I mean, there could be other things that we don't have, obviously, right? We weren't supposed to get any of this stuff, really. So. Oh, we already know we're missing a ton of it. <laughs> yeah. But, well, um, I mean, we have the list of guns. We have the permits to carry, but why don't we have that gun, that yeah. information? Yeah, we don't have a lot about the gun. That's true. Yeah. Well, they also didn't want, to search, they didn't want to show proof of the murder weapon either, so there's that. <laughs> Strange stuff here. 
Uh, let's see, June 2013, writing professional Linda Seeger, Colorado, reviewed the script for The Gray State. And I, I do remember seeing something about this. I, I, I went back to my notes. I, I could not find it, but I do remember seeing something about this. We don't really know that much about this right now, right? Um, what her note? I remember her, her notes were, they were very critical and I don't know if it came up in an article that somebody else posted or something like that, but um, she had a lot of notes about the way that the script was actually written. And I'm wondering who this person is, first of all, based on this. This really could be one of the reasons why David completely changed his script and why the 2014 script looks so much different than, um, than the 2013 script. But I think by this point, go ahead. Well, I was just wondering, didn't he post that on Facebook or Twitter that he had sent the script off to be read by her or something? I vaguely remember. Yeah, me too. I, I don't, could be I don't... remembering that article. Who knows? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just remember <laughs> reading that somewhere, but I can't remember either. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm no, sorry. it's okay. No, that would be good to, to it, it'd, it'd be good to know um, more uh, about that for sure. Um, of course, this is all before they move into their home at 1051 uh, Ramsdale Drive in Apple Valley on December 2013. I mean, this is really their, their last stop here. This is... Um, yeah, this is where things get really strange, stranger, I guess, than anything else. But um, so really, not much there known between December thirteenth and March sixteenth, two thousand fourteen, um, from what we have here, or maybe not that much that's really relevant to what is happening. But um, March sixteenth, two thousand fourteen, Allison Crowley. David's sister gets engaged to Susan Gold. Uh, we've done some research on um, Susan Gold, and she's an interesting character, too, <laughs> in all of this. Um, April 13, 2014, according to the New Yorker article, which any, if any of you have read that, that's a, that's a really strange piece there. Um, David began the journal on April 16, 2014. However, the first journal entry was written April 13, 2014. So this is this could be just one of the many, 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 many things that Alec Wilkinson got wrong. And it's I think it's Alec, A-L-E-C. Um, oh, yeah, I just copy and pasted. That's, uh, cool. that's cool. Yeah, so in, you know, in my defense. Uh, <laughs> How um, dare you, Will? He got it wrong. It's really interesting <laughs> yeah. is the fact that he's saying April 16th. There is no journal entry for April 16th. There's a 15th and there's a 17th. So he's he's just being fed this stuff. He's not seeing this stuff. Somebody right. is feeding him this data. Well, telling we already know him. the New Yorker has been caught up in you know, this whole Operation Mockingbird several times over. We already know this. Mm -hmm. So... I think this is just another one of those things. You know, they can't, they got to go and feed an agenda, right? They got to feed the narrative they need this to be. And that's what's going on here. I feel like that's honestly what the media was doing without, throughout this entire thing is we're seeing Operation Mockingbird in full effect right. because they're trying to mm -hmm. push all this gun control, right? 
Um, yeah. Because if you remember during this time, like back in, uh, um, like after David's, you know, him and his family's untimely deaths, they, um, yeah, we got to see there was a ton of gun control being spouted. I'm actually trying to go and find back in 2015 if there was any. We already know the Republican candidates and uh, a lot of Libertarian candidates aren't going to be pushing gun control. Why? Because, well, it's foolish. Uh, that's kind of how our country, uh, that's what we, we founded against, right? Uh, but with the Democrats, we generally see this. And this isn't this isn't meant to you know be like some kind of a, a broad sweeping statement, but this is something that, that uh, Democratic candidates often push is gun control. And so I'm curious as to see how much did Hillary Clinton and how much did these other Democratic candidates um, push. Right, and the reason I also say oh. this is that I've been talking about how this is going to get political in this case is because you got to see where some of these these people that were you know that a lot of us are probably very very suspicious of um, how they lean, you know, in contrast to what they claim about Rand Paul. Right. Right. These people are not. A lot of them are not libertarians. A lot of them are. In my opinion, they're bad actors, um, especially Danny Argus Mason. Ooh, <laughs> but um, you know, it's uh. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think most of us are there. Just can't act to save his life. Uh, ooh, <laughs> but um, maybe he could. But I don't know. But um, <laughs> but he, uh, you know, a lot of these guys they they promoted on their own Facebook pages, and this might actually matter, this might not, but it's very, very strange coincidences. These people were all pretty much like, when you see them on film, they do talk politics. Uh, well, well, maybe not on film, but like on YouTube and things like this, through bullet exchange, if anything is brought up through politics um, or how they feel about certain things politically, right, that are big pl uh, political topics like guns and things like this, they're very, very staunch against gun control. Um... But then you'll see on their Facebook pages, like, you know, somebody supported, you know, they were showing kind of some support for Hillary Clinton. They're showing some support for Bernie Sanders. You know, these are very, very staunch advocates for gun control rather than, you know, let's have our gun rights. You know, let's, let's actually have our freedom to bear arms. So I find that rather interesting as well because David was trying to go and, uh, you know, surround himself with people that were, it, it feels like he was at least, trying to surround himself with people that were like-minded. You know, people that they understood their rights, they understood what Rand Paul was talking about, but it was like very, very much centric around almost like, you know, this whole taxation is theft and, you know, all that, you know, the, the liberty movement, if you will. I find that very odd that he had quite a few people in there that would say something on one side, but really they felt a different way about it. <laughs> or they're tied to organizations that really, or groups that were, um, well, <laughs> very, very uh, pro-government, if you get what I'm saying here. So We have, um, and, go ahead, Sophia. And that's pretty common knowledge that when David was alive in 2014, even going into 2015, Obama was really pushing red flag laws and gun control mm -hmm. to the point where if Hillary would have won in 2016, 
she would have continued that. Right. And it would have been very, very hard for anybody to own a, a gun. Well, look at the resident, you know, the, you know, the, well, the person who's not really an absent-minded resident uh, of a White House. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, he, uh, you know, he's even pushing for some things, you know, him and his, his exactly. cronies. They're, they're pushing real I mean, hard. They don't, they don't like the liberty movement. They don't like patriots. They don't like patriotism. Either, you know, you know, basically just if you're against the government in any way, you might want to shut up and sit down. You know, if not, they're going to go and they're going to come after you, kind of. So. Well, just like what he said um, last week, later or late in last week, was the Second Amendment is not written in stone. It's not absolute. Right. And that it can be taken away. It was like, well, if the Second Amendment can be taken away, what about the Thirteenth Amendment? What about women's rights? You know, what about the other amendments? Right. You know, <laughs> that's a slippery slope. <laughs> oh, that's not just slippery. That's like straight up slip and slide right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's like you opening up that door. Now, so. Okay, face yeah. first, enjoy. There's a brick wall at the end, buddy. Yeah, there's this, there's this door that you don't open, and um, it's like they want to they want to keep opening that, and just you know it's all about the questions and everything. It's just keep oh well, maybe it's okay oh maybe it's good. They just want to water down everything to the point where nothing really matters. You know, nothing means anything except for what they want, except for what they bully us into thinking and what they want us to um, take take seriously. And it seems like David Crowley saw a lot of that first firsthand going over to these other countries fighting in these wars where it's like um you know are these justified wars are these not justified wars and uh you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and i mean he he came back so calm and um we see a lot of other people who have come back from war and you know they've done a lot of sensational things um like uh what's that guy's name adam Crenshaw. adam kokesh Right. Oh yeah. That's and he's like this big sensational thing. It's like this whole entertainment thing, blah blah blah, all this stuff. And it, you know, whereas David comes back and is like he he digs his heels in. He wants to become a filmmaker. Film is a very powerful medium. He's doing music. Music is a very powerful medium. He's doing writing. That's. I mean, he's tackling the three most powerful things. If you really want to help people, if you really want to reach the real mm-hmm. people those are the big three things right there and he was right. he was engaged in all three of those things he was a big threat he was a big threat to to anything that is pushing forward especially as we know what's coming up in 2016 what you know all of all of that stuff and to have him there in 2016 can't have that you can't have guys like like that there you want these sensational guys that you can discredit but you don't want the real guys who are really digging in in their heels and really trying to um, create something to get your mind thinking, not to right. brainwash you. It's a big, big difference from when I see Adam Kokesh and David Crowley. If you compare those two people, and you can even look at Luke minds. Rudkowski too. Same thing. Who's that? Who? Luke Rudkowski. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah. Um, there's, you know. As much as I do like to watch Mark Dice's content, I mean, it's you know, where, sen- where is his sensationalism, right? It's not, right. yeah, it's all like just, I mean, he, he gets out there, like I, I, Dice, I, I, I met Dice at the 
Bohemian Grove protests in, in 2012. He's just out there. He's on his bullhorn. He's got his talking points. He says he says the talking points, and then he goes home. Right. And then he wants you to, to fund him to come back out there the following year. You know, like you fund fund yourself. David wasn't asking people for for any any funding. He he put all that stuff out there. But look at what he did with six thousand dollars with what they did. You know, to get everything started. You right. know, and David was was able to do things that a guy like Mark Dice, a guy like Luke, could never do. You know, Luke has right. never made anything on his own. It's always been other people's money. He's taken We Are Change's money and used it for his own school. You know, use right. it for his his own stuff. He's he's reporting on things that other people are doing. He's not creating any new content. David is here creating new content here. I would even argue. I know you guys may not like it. I would even argue Danny August Mason is is a part of that, creating this new content here. No, well, yes, he he's definitely part of it. But you know, you can definitely see a shift and in, in some things with him. True. Having a thought doesn't make you a creator, and I <laughs> no, will but, but, argue that till the end of time because no, but you, you can it's have on a good paper thought. though. Definitely doesn't make you a creator. No, I I know, but it's on paper. Dave or Daniel August Mason was given a writing credit. He's given a writing but credit. We in don't the know. Script. We don't know. Understand all of that from the beginning. You know, he just because you give somebody writing credit, right? I think that was David being generous. And then when David said enough was enough and I'm going to really go forward with this, um, you know, he had to take it back. It was, he completely did everything. Yeah, I just, I just don't see why David would completely take his character out, change the whole script, um, if he was happy with everything that they had written back, back then. I, I think the fact that he took everything out that Danny August Mason was, was contributing in shows how much Danny August Mason actually contributed to the script that was probably started in in uh, 2010 that ended in 2013 i could be wrong well, that, I'm just that i think is an assumption you sure. don't know that Absolutely. danny august mason contributed much of anything to that character all you know is that that was the character that he was assigned and david said mm, you know what no i'm gonna get rid of it true well, so uh, i'm kind of in the middle on this is i think that you if by reading the script i think we all kind of got this vibe that it almost looked like two people were writing yeah uh, well script. at one point yeah mm-hmm and it was so, great all over the place. It was horrible. It was an <laughs> awful script. It was. It I like the first half um, of the I mean, it was the story itself script. where it was going. You could see kind of bigger picture. It was going to get really dark. It was already, it was dark, like, not even halfway through. It was, it was, um, it was pretty gruesome, in my opinion. But, um, but it's, you don't see that level of gruesomeness, really, in his 2014 script. So you get to see this, this, all this pulled out all these this just stuff is just ripped out you know he even backs away and we we took note a while ago that he removed the infowars connection with the sticker on there um you know he he's basically removed all these things he's like nah can't trust this you know we can't do this we we can't use this this is going to be bad for this it's going to be bad for that um you know he's just removing things left and right and so you definitely get a different feel it's, when you see david right it's i mean by no means am I saying it is like, you know, Oscar level, you know, not to mention that that's... No, he, he that is he had very immature writing, yes. Right, yeah, he's he, he's not like, you know, this like very, very powerful writer. He's got some powerful things he throws in there, but they're not all carried out. His gift like... showed in, in the film, not in the right. writing. Yeah. Right, right, and so that's that's the big thing we're seeing here is his writing is just kind of, eh, 
But you do see that when Danny August Mason stuff was in the initial script, it's just kind of like really far out there, very extreme a lot of times. And with David's stuff, it's never really to the extreme. Right, and and like you said, it was all over the place. There were, you know, when it went back and forth, there were areas where it was like, okay, this is pretty good writing to, holy cow, did a second grader write this? This is horrible. Right. And, um, and then toward the, the very last script that I read, and I'm not sure if it was even the last one, it flowed better. You're like, going, okay, I hear one voice here now, and it made sense. And it seemed to me that David was taking the criticism that he was getting, the crit critiques, I should say, not criticism, the critiques he had he had sent out for, probably from this Linda person, I don't know who she is, but, you know, from her and from other professionals that said, you know, hey, maybe you should do this because this really sucks, and he took that and he just completely rewrote it. And when it was rewritten, it then became his work, not anybody else's. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ross from Planet X Filmworks channel on YouTube and the Zodiac Files True Crime series. Check it out. And shout out to Greg and the Gray Stage channel. Their content is amazing. Uh, by the way, just uh, to throw this out there, I did find out who Linda Sager is. Uh, actually, a doctor. Dr. Linda Sager. She's an author. And all sorts of uh, screenwriting stuff. Um, very, very uh, looks rather decorated, too. So I'll throw that up in the chat. So she's a real professional, then. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can. Can you see your screen buzzing um, um, on um, the live uh, stream on YouTube? I mean, I'm sorry, not buzzing. <laughs> William, I'm sorry. Can you see your um, the live stream on YouTube? Uh, I mean, I, if I were to go and put that up right now, I'd have to like mute oh, it and stuff. I but. mean, the only reason I ask is because Bazing, I'm not sure I understand the question, but maybe you will. They, uh, they just state off-subject, but the article, Death of a Dystopian, the timeline should be the date the article was written, shouldn't it? Not April 13th? Oh, no. So the reason, just to cover that real quick, the reason I put this here, it's, it, was, it was a copy and paste directly from the other timeline that uh, Dan Hennon put together, but I feel this is relevant here because this is this is basically showing the the, the actual article, the New Yorker article is 110% incorrect, um, but this is where the first journal entry actually does appear. Right. Even and though this article is claiming this is when this is done. Um, and when was, the, when was the article itself written? That was written in, um, two, in 20, it was like 2017. 2015. 2017, because that that was written. Oh. See, that was supposed to come out around the same time that Eric Nelson's film came out. So the, they were all tied to, into 27 into 2017 when all that was supposed to come out, and they were gonna, you know, you're gonna have um, Eric Nelson's film, The New Yorker, Death of a Dys Dystopian. So that article didn't come out until um, uh, 2017. Oh, okay. So the point is even um, referencing the the article itself, "Death the Dystopian," is not to bring 
when this was written at this point, but was the fact of what it was saying inside the article Correct. that the first journal was date was the 16th, but in actuality it was actually the 13th. Correct. Is that the point That's of right. this little tidbit being put here? It was yep. just to bring attention to when the first inter journal entry was actually made? Correct. Correct. Yeah, and this just was to just... basically address the misinformation. Yeah, okay, one thanks. more point that they that they got wrong <laughs> basically okay, I mean, thank you. That helps. so yeah, yeah. I mean, what what points have they actually got right that's that's um, my question here david <laughs> david crowley they got his name right oh okay fair enough oh and that he was found dead you know there, there's that dead. but um uh, yeah other than that i mean yeah did they I, I had really actually get anything right about this um i had spoke with alec alec and he he was another one who was not really interested in the bullet in the ceiling. He was not really interested in the questions, not really interested in the documents or anything like that. You know, it's like some investigative journalist. I know, right? It's like, well, so what are you guys doing? You're saying this is a death of a dystopian? I, you know, I, I made a whole video saying I have no idea what a dystopian is. I had to go and look up that word. That's beyond my peeny brain knowledge here but it's like what are you really trying to say and they kept bringing up this alt-right 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 and it's like all this stuff that you know had really nothing to do with david crowley a lot of the terms that they were using was nothing associated with david crowley but you could tell like this guy was he's like a staff writer it's like a cia writer they're just writing this because somebody told them this is what we want and write this and this will sell and we can sell this here it's just for money these yeah. people the only reason alec wilkinson is make is writing this is for money he's not writing this because he cares about this family because he wants to get to the truth of what happened here he's writing this because it is his job as long as people get that then cool okay take it for for what it's what it's worth and if you true. like it if if you don't like it but this guy is not a journalist he's no. not writing oh, this true. in a journalist you know fashion well the thing he's is with this, this, this is like i said before this is just operation mockingbird and full swing here they need an, they have an agenda they've got to go and push here's the agenda they want to push this guy was this crazy right wing oh or oh, sorry alt right um you know gun nut you know that that's basically what he was hearing really was he really no he wasn't yeah. you know uh, libertarians, I mean, you can you can argue all you want. Maybe, maybe they're right leaning, maybe they're left leaning, but still, libertarians are roughly like in the center, but below direct center. That's where libertarians fall when it comes to uh, to this political compass here. And you know, a libertarian. I mean, they're just they're, um, you know, there's just some things that he stood for, but it wasn't like. You know, it wasn't like authoritarian by any means. He was standing with he stood he stood with Rand or not Rand, but Ron Paul's ideals. Um, that was obviously going to be the person he wanted to vote for. So, yep, that's right. Well, yeah, they did they did the whole 2012 uh, 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 Ron Paul thing there, right? That was a big big push. It was it looked very similar to a lot of the things that the the whole we are change what they were were doing where they were pretty much trying to build themselves up using ron paul as a speaker you know using september 11th as something that that would lift them up not to get to the truth of what happened on september 11th right not to get to the whole thing about the whole you know about about whatever ron paul was saying you have a lot of other speakers there 
that were just and, and even David Crowley. If you look at David Crowley in the 2012 speech, he looks very uncomfortable. That's my view, in, in anyways. He does not look like he really wants to even be there. He does not want to be on stage. He seems like more of a person who is comfortable behind the camera, not someone who wants to get himself on to the camera. And it seems like a lot of people were there at that 2012 thing that 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 happened there they wanted to get their message out to plug their stuff to plug whatever they were doing not really to really say hey man the country is in is in trouble here we have a big big problem when you have a guy like ron paul who really has a strong message has a great following and it's just seemed like a lot of people just wanted to kind of leech on to whatever That's ron what paul was saying it, the same way they wanted to leech on to what david crowley was doing it was like wherever the flow was going wherever the tidal wave was going they wanted to be a part of that tidal wave they wanted to ride that tidal wave like a right. like, like a uh, like a surfer they were not they just wanted to be part of it they didn't and and to see how they could benefit from it not to see how they could help that surfer how they could help whatever ron paul was doing how they could help whatever david crowley was doing it was to see how they could benefit from whatever those two guys were doing that's the way that i kind of took a lot of this stuff and i'm sure you probably feel the same oh absolutely i mean the thing is is like david i think knew how controversial this topic was yeah and he didn't want the limelight on him because, well, he's got a family. You know, he doesn't want to have the limelight, but nobody else is preaching his message. It's no different than how I feel, but why I'm putting my content out there. It's the same reason I don't really show my face off. Um, you know, yeah, somebody could look into me and find out who, what I look like, sure. But I'm not like actually, hey, this is, you know, this is the layout of my home. You know, this is, you know, I'm not going to put up a green screen. <laughs> um, same reason why I don't show my face on TikTok. It's the same reason. Um you don't show you know, your face here either. I don't brother. want my face out there. My voice is fine. <laughs> um, people can, you know, you could deduce a number of things based on, you know, the, you know, the sound quality and all this. Yes, my mic is a little old. I do apologize for that. But hey, you know, you can do all sorts of different things by breaking things down. Sure. But end of the day, I don't, I don't feel comfortable showing my face off. Um, I don't want to show my face off. Um, it comes down to that, that personal preference. But at the same time, could somebody just look me up? Yeah. Somebody could have easily done the same thing if David didn't show up to that thing. But he wanted to go and get the message out, and he took the risk is what he was doing. And, you know, it's could he have just used Danny August Mason? Yeah, but then Danny August Mason could have just taken credit. And I think that's what he was leery of. He's like, well, this is my baby here. This is my project. I need to get this out here. But if I go and let these guys do it, they're just going to take credit for it this is theirs so it's it's kind of similar to as I have um, this goes back to my, my former business partner when we were doing the comics and games and all this um, I had a product that I'm, I'm still working on and that's why I majored is he was it almost seemed like he was trying to take this creation I had you know it goes back to what even what Catherine was saying you know we would bounce these ideas off of different groups and all this how does this work and all this but he literally, right after we separated the business, he tried to take my products with him. The ones that I'd created prior to our, um, our uh, you know, combination, right? Mm -hmm. And he tried to take all that. We either, you know, he'll probably have a different story for it, but regardless, that's, that's what happened. And so I had to kind of fight him for it and, you know, I had to go and call him out numerous times. Hey, you can't use this. This is mine. 
you know, and, you know, so, you know, it was done in the past. That's where it stops. No more. And I had to go and use some legalese on him. Um, well, I think that's what David was trying to avoid entirely. He didn't want to have to do this. He's like, look, you guys are giving ideas here. You guys are going to write some stuff down, but guess what? I'm going to probably edit the crap out of it. Um, and I think he saw with his first initial trailer, he needed to get something out. He wanted to get a story. But I think end of the day, he was going to edit that out anyways. He was going to go and change it. Um, that's why I think he gave Danny August Mason some writing credit. It was only for that. He did have probably took part in the initial script, like like we talked about earlier. There was like two different voices in that script. Um, you know, and it comes down to if you looked at that script and that trailer, they all showed off the the John Wainick character a lot. And that's that's I think David saw that, oh crap, we need to go and edit this out because well, he's a side character. He's not the main character. He's not the protagonist. He's a side character. And yet we're showing more of him, and we're showing him to be the most, like, the badass character in this when he's really, he's not meant to be that per se either, you know. Um, I think he's just trying to, that's, I think that after the trailer released and everything, I think that's why a lot of things were shifting. And he was like, okay. Plus on top of that, the meeting with the mics probably added to it. Hell, I'm sure even Linda Seeger probably added to that as well. <laughs> yeah, thanks right. Thanks for that. I'm going to check that out, lindaseeger.com. Go ahead, Catherine, if you have something to say. No, go ahead. No? Um, let's see here. So, yeah, so I April... I agree with too. Uh, what does Rick say? Oh, will I truly Oh, he said uh, he truly of... believes a lot of different people and groups who are trying to hijack David's film to use the spear for their movements. Yeah. Opinion. I, I agree. Well, they still are. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what's they in David's journal, not right? I jack it. Right. Actually, I'm going to have to head on out, guys. So, sorry. Okay. Any well, final words, Sophia? Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much. And, well, thank you for your hard work on this. No, of course. No problem. Thank you for your guys' uh, contributions as well. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have done it without all you guys. So. Okay. Well, you guys have a great weekend, and Catherine, I'll talk with you a little bit later tonight. Okay. Have a good one. Okay. Good night. Bye. Yeah. So, um, so by April thirteenth, two thousand fourteen, this is really um when we know um about David's journal, right? So David's first journal. So. That was um, the main thing of getting that in there about when he got that wrong. Another thing, Alec Wilkinson got it wrong. So was the first journal entry on April 13th or April 14th? I think we need to make a edit here too. At some April 13th is when... Um, oh, yeah. No, that's fair. I, need, I do need to edit that out there. Um, I mean, but they're, no, they're, when they're, it comes down to April yeah. 14th, there was one too. There was a journal entry. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so that makes sense. So the first one was April 13th, but he also made a, a, a he also did something on April 14th. Gotcha. Okay, and then three. Yeah, this is this is good to kind of um, show how many he made, all of his entries that he made, because there are a lot. Um, and show how, well, how and active just he was. To, just to note one thing yes. about that, too, like I was saying earlier, I'm not going to go and put in every single journal entry either, you know, like what 
what every single thing these these said or what pictures they had in there. That doesn't necessarily matter. That the thing is, I was pointing out anything that was relevant. If I talked about what was in a day one journal entry, mm -hmm. that's the only time you'll you'll see really this is relevant here. This is actually relevant. The rest completely irrelevant. It could have been as as simple as you know, like let's take um, the the April fourteenth here. He had what, one he had one journal entry there. And all he says there is, I'm going through depression as part of my personality switch, like a hard restart. Nothing is anything anymore. Now, could that partake with the quote-unquote narrative, right? That could, okay, to some degree with the narrative. But we know that's not it. He's talking about personality switch. He's trying to go and better his life. That's all he's talking about. He's talking about his personality switch. Because he met with the mics early on, and all of a sudden we get this journal going, right? We were getting that to, well, I think he started this just before he met with the mics, but um, I gotta go and double check on that. But regardless here, you know he's trying to go through this this shift. He wants to get rid of all that's really unnecessary in his life. That that includes people, that includes um, habits, you know, he even talks about uh, kicking weed mm -hmm. as well. He started late in his life, apparently, according to his journal entries. Um, you know, and then he wants to kick it. He's like, nah, you know, I don't really need it. You know, this is not something I want to be rewarding myself. This is not something I want to give myself at all. He's like, I don't want it. Um, you know, so, um, you know, it's, the, I mean, here's the, the thing that I, that, that's um, the interesting part here is like I said, I didn't want to go and include every single day one journal entry. There was, I felt like there was no need. Oh, sure. Just to clarify sure. that. No, I mean, just looking at the dates, you, you can see how, how active. I mean, just it, you can see, okay, he has a journal here, his journal in, entry there. So it shows how active he was. Mike, I, I really want to get to page three, but I keep going <laughs> I keep going back to page two because there's some good stuff here to really say, okay, I want to think about why did he start this on April 13th? You know, what would, like you were saying, what was so special here? Did he already kind of had he already talked to the to the mics did he already kind of know was he getting feelers maybe there was a working deal maybe there was something that was going to to happen i mean everything from from uh from august 7 2012 once that trailer is made once the gray state con concept trailer is is made you know a lot of things happen there a lot of things start picking up here he, he must have known something. There must have been a reason to really do this journal. Why start this journal now? Uh, was was the and, and why do it in this day one journal thing? I don't know. I don't have the answer. I'm only speculating. I'm only just I'm only asking questions pretty much here. Why do this now? Why start this now? You know, it just seems um, there must be something there. The whole journal is fascinating. I'm fascinated by David Crowley's journal. But why he started it at this point here, um, and then looking at the things that he includes in his journal, I think is very relevant as to what he does put in and what he doesn't put in, too, to this, to this journal here. So we'll see, as to why he started it, I mean, it... He's trying to use it. I don't. I don't know exactly what got this into his head, but he he describes it in his very very first journal entry. You know, he's 
he wants just to get his thoughts down. He wants to, he's tracking himself. He's tracking his adjustments in his life, whether it be minor things, you know, things that are going on. Right. He's just trying to jot things down. Um, not necessarily as they happen, but a general kind of when they happen, right? Mm-hmm. And he's trying to keep track of himself. And he says that in his very first journal entry. Um, he wants to, as he tells, as he explains later in his journal entries, um, that he's trying to, he wants to use, you know, he wants to catalog this as a way also for, it almost seems like for Rania, yeah. um, as kind of like who her dad was, right? How he adjusted, why he adjusted, the way he adjusted, things like this. Um, do you, do you, do you, you know, think he's... it's it's to get over this fear of writing? I mean, every writer has that fear, and it's interesting. The first thing that he says in his journal, he, he focuses on that fear of, right. of writing, like he's trying to conquer this fear that he has of writing, knowing that he may really be a good writer. He may have some future in, in writing, and he needs to conquer this fear. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't the strongest writer by any means. Sure. Um, we know this, but... At the same time, you know, he's a, he admits to a lot of this in here. And he's like, "Look, you know, I he's on I think the iPhone. Has a fear yeah, of he it. starts on an iPhone. <laughs> I right? Yeah. Right. I mean, he's iPhone. talking about, you know, I'm just trying to just jot some things down, essentially, you know. And yeah. he's like, I want to make sure I'm getting this out here. Is this should help me with? It seems like he's basically saying this will also help him with his own writing as well. Right. You know, getting some things out there, and then he's not spell checking even right now. Why is he not spell checking? Well, because you know, it's just easier just get it done, just get it down, and then he can always read it later and he can make sense of it. Um, either he wants to regret it or whatnot, you know. Um, but he he thinks that reflecting could be of a value to him. And, you know, honestly, I, I think there's a lot of people that, through journal writing, it does help. They get a lot of... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the term for it. But basically, they're able to look at themselves and be like, okay... What the hell, you know? Or oh, okay, this is why I was feeling this way. Or oh, hey, I'm not sure why. Why was I feeling this way? And they can come and piece some things together. Why did they do some? Maybe something that they might be looking at later on. But like, well, wait a second. This looks rather illogical. Why would I do this? They can go through the journal and actually see directly why they did it. Potentially, um, there's a lot of reasons why people start a journal. And sure. for him, I think there's probably a numerous um, amount of. Um, things kind of going through his head as to why he needs to start one. Um, Catherine, any thoughts on um, why he may have started this journal Sunday, April 13th, 2014, at 7.30, 39, and why, you know, the first I, thing he I, I don't know him. if the date itself is of any relevance, but yeah. just reading this here right now, is um, I agree with what William was saying. I think a lot of what he was doing was for introspection. And um, as a writer, you're just told to write, write anything. It, and it doesn't even have to make sense, just write something. And I think that's what he was trying to start doing. And, and at this particular time, he was feeling nostalgic, I think is what he was saying, and, and just started writing down whatever was in his head. And I think it was just, yeah, just to, to get the act of writing going. Yeah, probably just, I mean, it could very well just be just, I mean, we'd have to go and look, but, I mean, you can always track this to some degree. Does this help him with his writing, right? You know, maybe for that day, maybe he does this as like an exercise before he begins his writing process. I've heard of that as well. I know when I was in a, 
in high school, a lot of my writing teachers, um, or rather English teachers, if you will, um, they would have us do that. We'd have to go and like, you know, there would be like, write, you know, write a page about this topic here. You have 10 minutes, right? Get as much as you can down, um, but at least get a page. And, you know, that was just an exercise for a writing assignment. And they even told us it's a good thing to do, even when we're writing at home. Um, when we're writing, you know, any kind of, when we go to college, if we go to college, um, if we're going to write any kind of book or anything, it's a good thing just to do, just because then it gets your mind going. You know, it's kind of like starting up that engine. You're kind of priming it, right? Just like a, a lawnmower. You're going to prime it to go to start it, right? Well, that's, you're going to get your better workout is essentially what I was, I was always taught about it. Right, and you can't get better if you don't do it. Because when I took creative writing in college, it was the same thing what you were saying. Oftentimes the teacher just said, okay, I don't care what you write, just send it, just, you have to have one page done by tomorrow. And it, it could be utter nonsense, just the fact that you had words down on a paper. But then taking the writing, the writing classes for when, for the books that I've been writing, um, the professionals state you need to write every day. You get something down, write, write, write. If it's a journal, if it's more of a story, just write. And I see a lot of that in David. And and that's where I really think a lot of all the stems is he was just trying to get in the habit of writing because he can't get better if he doesn't do it. Right. Yeah. Well, and even then, I think we can kind of reflect on the scripts too. If we look at it, like you talked about earlier with the flow, this is something you can see. It flows way better. I don't think it's just because there's like two different voices in it. It just the flow of the story itself, you know. And I don't like I said. I don't think it was just because the is the the two different voices in it. I really feel like it was like those two were kind of going hand in hand, you know, just kind of just picking up, you know, one step after the other together. You know, there's a few stumbles, sure, but with this other script, you do get to see that it flows. It's just like you know, one step after the other, but it's one person doing it rather than two. Well, but, yeah, then, I mean, the whole thing is, is it does make a difference, and you right. know. People write differently. They think differently. You can have the same character and have two people write it and try to put it together, and you're going to be able to tell the difference because right. it just flow differently. And so, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can absolutely tell by the, by the time it's all said and done, it was completely David's work. Right. Um, and so, but as far as why did he start the journal on the 13th, not sure why he chose that date, I think... He just sat there and said, okay, um, I'm feeling something at the moment. I need to do it, so let me just start typing this in the journal. Well, we should probably find out, too, when David got his uh, his stuff back from uh, Linda Seeger. You know, maybe he got got it at a later date. You know, Is that available? Because, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, it just depends. Maybe, maybe that was a suggestion. Maybe she was like, well... You know, I see this as like, and maybe she didn't know it was two people writing. Maybe she was just like, well, this is the flow here. It's not here. It's like it goes, you know, goes this way, but then it goes this way, and it goes this way, and then it goes this way. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe that was something she suggested. You know, I mean, she is, you know, an accredited writer, so, I mean, I think that would be probably something she probably threw at him. Like, look, you know, we can make your writing better through this simple, you know, this simple step here. But then at the same time, maybe consider these critiques as well, you know, do what right. you can with it. And you have to listen to the professionals because, you know, I um, attend the Pikes Peak Writers um, uh, uh, event that, that takes place in the springs every year. 
And these come from professional writers. We're talking top-notch writers, people you read every day. And when these professionals are telling you, you can't get it done, you need to write, mm -hmm. and you really need to listen as a writer, go, okay, well, um, if the professionals are telling me to do it, I got to do it. And I really see kind of where, where David really picked up with that, and he really tried hard. Even if you don't feel like it, there are going to be days as a writer where you're like going, I don't want to, I don't feel inspired. You know what? It doesn't matter if you're going to get it done. A lot of these, you know, top, we're talking um, top-notch writers, you know, um, Stephen King, uh, James Patterson, all of these, you know, um, uh, what's his name, Clive Cussler. These writers, you know, there's no such thing as writer's block. You, you know, if you get to that point, you still have to force yourself to do it. And I really see a lot of David going in that direction and I see that his journaling helped him along that path you know not only to go back and see what his life was like and to reflect on who he was where his emotions were at a time but then to get into the habit of writing and it got better the further along he went yeah. I feel like you uh, didn't include R.L. Stein you know I'm just kidding oh who's that I don't think you heard him <laughs> Oh, terrible, terrible. But um, <laughs> oh man, terrible dad joke even maybe. But um, but still um, but no, it's uh, I think you're 100 percent right on this. I think that's is we get to see this evolution. But the other thing I also think would be kind of interesting to do too that I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna probably have to go and put this together. If you guys want to help me, it'd be fantastic. But is looking at when he was writing you know, based on what he says in his journal when he was actually writing on the script and then compare when he's writing these journals. Like, is he writing that day or is he talking about writing that day? You know, things like this and seeing how, like, how often he's talking about actually writing, you know, the script. Yeah, that's a, that's, that would be interesting. Well, but think about it this way. This is how I see it. He could be writing that day but not even touching the script. You know, he might talk about wanting to, you know, planned even to have written the script, but he just couldn't do it. There's, I know there's like one or two days where he talks about something happens, he's just like, I can't write the script right now. I can't work on this. But, you know, he's, he puts that down in journal entry form. Mm -hmm. you know, format. So it's it's one of those things that if we can kind of tie that in, well, how much did he actually, or when did he really, like, you know, when this journal entry started, how much of this did he actually devote to the script itself? Yeah, because... because toward the end you're right you know toward the end he's like man I had a great writing day I finally tightened it up and it's all done and yeah so right. that would be interesting right so I don't know maybe there's something there maybe there's not I don't know can't hurt you never know till you put it down right right sometimes you just kinda just gotta go and start the science on it you know let's go and look let's just put it to pen and paper and does this work you yep. know I got a feeling it, it. There's some stuff here that probably it, pro it probably means something. It might mean a lot more than we're even thinking. So, who knows? But quick question also. Um, this is this is definitely off topic to a degree. Um, but I was curious. There's this image um, that I just recently saw. I hate to bring the other group up. I really do, but. They they post this image. I'm I'm not sure. So I've never seen this anywhere. And but they're they're trying to say it's day one journal entry. Um, it's got a list. Let me bring it up right now, and I'll go and read exactly what it says. Um, 
and it says David's journals, and then it's got a picture of what looks to be a like a hand drawn like little kid's photo, um, and it's got the title on it, Video Buddy, and then www.videobuddy.com. But it has a bunch of these names on here, and at the very top of it, it says The Purge, and it says, and there's some names crossed off. You can see some of them that are crossed off are um, Dad, Dan. Uh, I think it looks like Keith, maybe, I don't know, but there's some names crossed off here. Um, but it's the other name, the other things that are on here are BX, uh, Hate F, okay, I'm, I'm obviously not going to say that word here, but uh, Building Something, and then there's um, Joe, there is, I can't see this one, maybe it's David, I don't know, uh, Weed as a reward, Money, K's Contacts, Pursuit of K, and Danny. I found that a little interesting. Have you guys ever seen this? That's where? I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't. I don't even see it now, so I have no idea. But... I will send it to you guys on Facebook, and you guys okay. can see. Well, I'm not, not on Facebook. Well, maybe I'll go back on Facebook later. Never, go, yes, please, go ahead. I don't know if it'll show up until I go back on. But, hmm. Does it look like his writing? And is it taken out of context? I haven't. I just saw it like oh, okay. twenty minutes ago. So <laughs> it's one of those things. I'm gonna. Go, I'm gonna have to go and compare it to it, and I might have to switch off my JFK <laughs> topic tonight. It's really looking forward to it. But oh, all JFK, right. Well, that's might a have great to. One. So <laughs> um, just you know, is this misinformation or not? I even compared the handwriting. I do have a cipher. So I can actually already do that. So it should, it'll take me just a few minutes to do it most. But um, it does, at first glance, it does kind of look like it. But I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, but I mean, and if it's if it's something he was writing, and uh, and it's just one page is taken completely out of context, and we don't see everything it's with, then I think that's dangerous. And far too many people do that with this case. They'll take one thing where it sounds really bad and go, see, this is our narrative. It proves our narrative. And when you look at the entire picture, it's like, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it means something totally different. Right. And, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, every now and then I do go to the other page to go and look and see what, what exactly they're talking about, how much crap they talk about me. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, you know, has my nickname changed? Has anybody's nicknames changed? You know, it's always funny to see. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's at the same time, it's just like, you know, I'm looking, okay, well, you know, how much are they talking crap now? It's it's something I just, I don't like to do, but I do find myself going there every now and then, especially when I'm bored. You know, they're not exactly the most, you know, thrilling individuals. So, um, where is Oh, this? no, this they is, have, they have filled a... up my... Um, um, my a binder with um, tracking information about what they say, the libel and slander. Um, right. I'm and, telling you, I, and, and that was the police officers who told me, they're like, keep, start keeping track. Just just keep track. Don't say anything. <laughs> I'm like, that was the best advice I ever received. Well, this, this, right. this image well, you're sharing, but it's, where is, it's Sometimes where you know, they'll say some from? things. It's like, well, okay, interesting. You know, I'll go and I'm going to look into this as I'm curious now. Um, you know, they'll pique my curiosity every now and then. Just like, you know, people in the group, they sometimes all say something like, well, what does this mean exactly? Well, it piques my curiosity. Okay, you know, where, just where like, in you know, David's journal you know, I think is, it was, this, is this from? So I was not, talking about the see. bodies with mold at one point, and then Sophia is the one who actually brought it to my attention about the, the in the autopsy report, so I looked into it. 
and sure enough, I had to go learn all about that. And I was like, ah, you know, it's nice to know. It's like, holy crap, you know, this is, yeah, this is interesting here. And so I, I, I take anything even other group says. I'm like, all right, well, let's go and else. What does this mean that they're saying here? If they're actually showing something, they're trying to present something. Very, very few and far between, obviously, but it's, um, you know, they usually just kind of repeat the same things, you know, name calling and all this, but every now and then they'll present something that they're trying to go, oh, this proves this. Does it, though? You know, and so look at it, you know, and it's like, well, let's break it down and let's go and see. And so that way, if they ever do decide to man up and actually, or sorry, I don't know what you'd call it now. Uh, I guess man you up. You can is say man up. Some people. Uh, no, I'm just saying to these to those <laughs> those people, um, person up. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, you know if they just if they just took the time to man up and actually come into this discussion, you know, let's let's go and have this discussion. I'm done. I mean, I've been done trying. I've tried. You know, I I think most of us have tried to have a discussion even on their own grounds, and I'm like, no, no, we can't do that. You know. Yeah. But <laughs> I actually wanted to man up and have a discussion about this is fine. Um, I would have a discussion with them, but also I'm not going to let myself, you know, waste time like I did. You know, that one night, you know, right. waiting a whole stream for that one person. But that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 something I do find interesting. You know, I do want to have these talking points. I want to be able to go and come from their perspective. Hey, why would they say this? You know. And they, there have been very, very few times, but they have had those times where it's like, okay, they bring something up. I should look into this so I at least have the answer, you know, um, so I can answer this question. And that picture, I've never seen it, not once, ever. But it's also like that whole thing with Chris Peck's number. Where was this message from? And okay, so of course where, they don't this, want to this answer. Picture, well, well, it doesn't matter, you know, we don't have to divulge this. They, you know, the police said this or this, you know, this was said, so... So where where is this picture from? Uh, I the first I've seen it was actually from. Um, this is not in David's journal. Yeah, I've never seen it. Could not you once. email that to me? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna put it up I'll on, right on screen here. Um, this is not in David's. Yeah, I've 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 seen this I've seen this somewhere before, but this is not in David's journal here. And this I don't know what this would even show here. Um, what this would have to do with anything but yeah i do remember somebody bringing up it was the names that were crossed off and the names that weren't crossed off or something like that but this is yeah i have no idea what this is what this would have to do why somebody would I, write this this yeah, way I thought for sure in one of his journal i mean not journals i'm sorry oh that that's not what i saw at all um but in in um like the notebooks or something, he had a list of things and he was crossing off as he was getting it done. He had notes about rewriting, taking out the F word too much or taking out Jesus too much. And yeah, but that that's hmm. not anything related that's to what this is. Interesting. This this looks more like copy paste type stuff or something. But it's it that just seems like more things like what does this have to do with anything here? I I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to see. Um, what this is, where this came from, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously it wasn't relevant to anything. <laughs> so I don't know. Right. That's why I'm curious where this came from. You know, yeah, I, I want to know because, I mean, created. is this, are we seeing another repeat of things that were manufactured or are we seeing something that's maybe we didn't get? Sure. You know, um, 
that's my question at this point. So I mean, obviously, I'll have to. I'm gonna have to go and cancel JFK again. Damn it! That just um, seems like so something. Yeah, uh, that, that so seems I'll, like another yeah, red, so. red herring to kind of throw you off of uh, more more important things. Well, right. Instead of you know having all of our focus on the case <laughs> itself, it's throwing all these additional things out there. Is this real or not? Now we have to go and figure this out. Is this real? So I'll go ahead. I'll go figure it out tonight. And we'll. We'll see. we'll see. And, you know, I want to kind of add to it, because it's what you were just saying a bit ago. When they pull stuff like this, they have no idea how much they're actually helping us show the innocence of David. Because when they do this and we have to go digging, nine times out of ten, we find far more information we probably would have never looked hard to find in the first place. Because it's information we skim over. Right. And for me, it was it was the bullets. And I'm telling you, when they made me go dig through that report and I start putting this stuff together, I, I never would have found the section on that report that stated poor reproducibility <laughs> in their own test fires. Right. And that is huge. It is. So it's like, thank you. You guys keep it up. You're only helping us. Right. Yeah. And they're the ones who are trying to, like, yeah. I'm not sure what their agenda is exactly, but it does. They have helped so much. It's not even right. funny. It's like well, we all. Yeah. A debt of gratitude. Yeah, we'll, we'll give them a writing credit. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Research and development credit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start up. You know, I might even include them on timeline. Thank you, other group. There okay. you go. <laughs> Fool group. The Judies. Too much. But yeah, I mean, that's 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 the really interesting part. Is it's like they're. You know, we see that they're always calling us the injustice group. They're always saying we're the ones spreading disinformation, but yet we're the ones, all we're doing is asking questions and doing the research. Is all we're doing. And the timeline exposes a ton of the things they were trying to say. Oh, this is this is when this happened. This is when this happened. No, no, I'm sorry. We've got the information. We've got the actual timeline here. We know this isn't true. Um, you know, we've got the, you know, we've got the same data you guys have got on this. Mm-hmm. And what do we find? Oh, that you guys are actually 110% incorrect. So, you know, it's like, for instance, the Joe, the Joe Seaton relationship. We get to see this all fall apart through this. Yet, you see on a gray state that he's trying to go and portray himself as this great friend, and you know, oh, he was he was a good friend of the David or the Crowley family and all. He really wasn't. You know, um, Mason Hendricks portraying himself as this great friend of the of the Crowley family. Where do we really see him pop up? Oh, that's right, March. Yeah, and same with Sean Wright. Look what Sean's like. Oh, I was his best friend, and I would always stay up there. And then in the journal, David's like, this jerk is getting on my couch, and I want him gone. Get him out of here. Right. He's like, I already know. Anytime he's calling or texting, this is what he wants. And he'll just, he'll be on the way over as he's doing this. You know, it's like, what the hell? You know, and he's irritated with a lot of these guys. He's like, these guys are just mooches is all they are. Yep. And... So he's trying, obviously you're seeing he's trying to get rid of him. Well, the question is, what sparked this whole, like, aha moment for him? Right. You know, and I think, like I said, I think there's, you know, we're going to be able to see some things, like dates and all this, uh, dates and times that are going to pop up through the phone record, uh, on the older timeline, rather, um, or old phone numbers, and they're going to actually show off when this was, but then it's going to be up to research, you know, to why this occurred. You know, there's going to be a lot of speculation, I'm sure. I mean, I would probably argue it's going to be mostly speculation. But I'm sure we're going to be able to find some things. Why did these relationships fall apart? You know, what caused this? What was the catalyst to this? Right. And I would guess most of this comes down to the script. You know, there was 
you know, we got to see that what did what did Sean Wright request of David, for instance? He wanted fifty thousand dollars, you know, a year if he was in the, you know, and he'll go and build his sets and do whatever else he needs for fifty thousand a year. You nice know, guy. you've got Adam Shambor, who's not even really part of this production at all, and he's trying to go and piggyback on this. He talks about that. You know, he even refers to him having monkey arms or something like this. You know, I mean, he's he's literally bashing on these guys throughout mm-hmm. his journal. These were not friends of his. No. Nope. You know, so he does say that a few of them are good people, but they're just, they're not good for him and his family. And so that's why he's moving away from them. And the thing is, is you see him really bad-mouthing a few people, well, three people really, a whole lot. Joe Seaton, Danny August Mason, and Sean Wright. And, but at the same time, I believe Danny August Mason says, well, you know, I believe at one point he says something about him being like he's a good person, kind of, I believe, uh, at one point before he says basically, you know, he either needs to join him or, or he's a destroyer. Um, I believe he puts him in the, the category of good person without really knowing that he's kind of a, just a deceitful person. <laughs> yeah, so. when he starts to see um, Dam's real personality is when David just finally, and in his, it seems in his writing, he's like, okay, that's it. <laughs> right. I'm cutting this guy off. Right. Oh, you're, uh, the timeline just came off the screen. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to get to uh, May 16th here, where you were talking about um, Seton. Um, I think that's, uh, let's see, did I pass it here? Those are some of the big things here. Like, um, what we are doing here, what we're talking about here, is the other side. Uh, We are the other side here, okay? These people, these people have been able to slander David Crowley, have gotten into... The whole mainstream news um they've been able to pretty much say whatever they want about david crowley but yet when we look at this and we look at this stuff we can clearly see that there is a whole nother side to this so arguing with people from some other group they're not even relevant what is to 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 me what is what is relevant is what has been said in the the mainstream about david crowley what these people have said these people that have been in in eric nelson's film that have slandered david crowley their friend and what they've said and yet we are able to find david crowley's actual documents we're able to to find all of this stuff that completely contradicts everything that they are saying and so then you have these other people that try to throw us off of those trails try, try to throw people that are looking into this off of those trails when they're not even relevant to this um the only reason why a guy like joseph seaton uh, why Sean Wright, Mason, why they're relevant is because of their lies about David Crowley. It makes them relevant because it's easy to disprove it. And a lot of that is from David Crowley's journal, from his own words here, like like you've said. So, um, yeah, I think that's where the real focus really needs to, you know, be. Not on not on any, anything else, but to kind of recognize that there is the side that has... Um, been on these mainstream news media etc etc on these films and then there's what really happened and there's a lot of evidence that shows that what they're saying is just absolutely not not true and a lot of that does come from david crowley's own journal right 
Well, and like I said before, you know, it's it's going to keep going back to this, obviously, because we're trying to get this all in the timeline. But the phone records—they're going to say a whole lot. You know, I mean, just to go and bring something up that uh, that Jet had brought up recently about the um, the couch. You know, that's not the same couch. We get to see the transition through these photos, and that's what I thought was really, really fascinating too. Is he had so many photos in this journal? Right. They also show pictures well. Like they also have some kind of a story to it as well. You know, we get to see when they get a new couch, for instance. We get to see when they place the rug on the floor. We get to see the outline of, of um, you know, their, their house. We get to see a picture of what their house is looking like. I do apologize for my background noise, okay. of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. We get to see what their house looked like prior to their murders. Let's just call it as it is. You know, it, their murders, you know. And... That's that's the other part. It's like putting that picture together. What did their house really look like prior to the murders? Where was everything at? You know, where were the dog bowls, for instance? Where was the couch? Where was the rug? Where was the lamp? Where was everything? We get to see this too. So, yeah, the journal is it's very very powerful uh, yeah, tool for this investigation. Um, on top of that, in the phone records, you're going to be able to see some things that that um, coincide with the journal. You know, um, for instance, conversations with Joe Seaton, we get to see they drop off entirely right. at a certain point. Um, you know, he's not really that close to David, and David caught him really, really early, but he just does not like this guy. And that he's just going to be nothing but problems. And yeah. yep. you get to see these things, and when they coincide together like that, it's it's a beautiful thing. It really is, because now we get this vivid picture of everything is kind of put together, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is a very Im important time here because um, this is right after David comes back um, from pretty much making a deal, making a Hollywood deal where they're gonna, you know, try to um, make Grey State into a film, and then all of a sudden this guy Joseph Seaton pops up here, and in you know in the Grey State film, Eric Nelson's film. Joseph Seaton kind of pops up there and blah 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 and then there's questions about his his rank who he really is etc cetera, etc cetera. he's had some other dealings and everything so um, there's some it's really interesting the whole timeline kind of shows where David is really especially at this point here in May of 2014 I mean, this is a critical point here David has made some type of a deal they are going to move forward with this. Uh, Gray State, at this point, they are going to try to make this into a, to a feature film. And so what everything that happens after that, and how the people that David knew that were working with him previously, that all of a sudden pop up into his life, like Joseph Seaton, this is all very relevant, very, very critical. Everything that happens between this time here, because... I mean, we're we're talking about a very short time uh, between May and December of 2014 when they're all basically dead. When everyone says that they're all dead, they're all dead by de December 25th, December 26th, whatever you want to to think. They all think that the whole family is pretty much dead by that point. 
And this is a very short span from the time that David has a working deal. I can totally understand why so many people would think, well, it has to be tied. All of a sudden, he has a working deal. A couple months later, David Crowley is dead. I mean, right. you have to look into that. You have to take that seriously, not just write it off. Exactly. Um, so uh, maybe we'll end it right there, right here at uh, uh, May 16th, 2014. Unless anyone has any final words here, we'll... Um, Nope, I don't. I think right you guys there. covered it all. Yeah, we. And this is this is exactly why it takes so long. Is there's so much <laughs> here, and that's that's the thing. Is it might look like a simple thing um, when it comes to these, but it's like there's so many questions and so many things that are unanswered. Even though like this is and this is literally all we have, so we have all these questions, and it's like we're trying to get all these things answered and put together. You know, there's, there's just, there's, like I just said, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, day one journal entry and then this is what happened. There's more going on. You know, there's a lot more questions, so. Yeah, and this is all good because this gives us stuff from David's own view, from his quotes. I mean, we have his actual quotes here. We have everything that has happened here. And there's going to be questions about when the journal ends. We already know, we've already seen here. We have questions about when the journal started, but. Looking at the document that we have, you can clearly see when the journal started and when it ended is very different than what we've been told. That doesn't make sense either. So if the police re reports are saying the journal ended on a certain date, but yet we have the journal and it ends on a later date, that does not make sense. There's something, there's something wrong here. Everything should line up. If it's truth, the, the truth does not change. It lines up with everything. So it just seems like the more documents, the more stuff that we get, the truth does not line up here. But this is a real document. This is David's real journal here. I would go by this. I wouldn't go by Alec Wilkinson's article. I wouldn't go by even what the police documents say at that point because their documents are, are wrong as to when the journal ends. But we have all of that data here. That's why we're trying to give everybody... Um, what the data says to go over exactly what that data says and to make it so the public can look at it so I don't have to get a phone call from a guy like Sean Wright and say hey this is what what happened and he's full of crap I can actually look at the document and I can decide for myself I mean it didn't take me long to figure out he was full of full of crap but maybe there's people out there that really take him seriously I have no idea why the guy is a, is a compulsive liar. He's lied about so many different things. He is not a credible person, not a credible source. He is not a trustworthy person. He has a criminal record. He has a very abusive record. This guy yep. is not somebody that David wanted to be tied to. Obviously, at some point, David realized that, along with all of these other people. But yet, there are still people out there that want to be tied to a guy like Sean Wright? It does not make sense. And, and then uh, it just happens that they all think that David Crowley is guilty too. Definitely something wrong with that. So um, um, I don't think next week, but maybe in two more weeks, maybe we'll come back and we'll continue on. Hey, we, we made it to page three. So <laughs> we'll continue on to page four next time. And uh, William and Catherine and everyone in our chat room, I want to thank you all for joining us and for listening and for for watching this and uh god god bless you all any final words here william 
Um, no, not really. Just tonight, I'm going to be covering um, disinformation from uh, this case again. Um, you know, whether it be from you know the other group or elsewhere, going to go and cover that as much as possible. So expect things like the Alex, uh, Alec, or Alex Wilkinson, whatever. Alley boy, we'll call him that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we're going to go and cover his disinformation. We're going to cover um, the what you know the the forged document. We're going to go and cover things like that. We're going to just go over as much as we can because it needs to be done again. You know, obviously, because now I've got this journal entry. I need to go and cover: is this real or not? And um, I'll try and get as much information out of this as possible. And uh, if this was the uh, original photo, then maybe we'll be able to get some some uh, information off the file itself. So I'm gonna go and uh, do some digging, and we'll we'll see what we can find. But there's there's a uh, yeah this uh, this timeline is gonna be it's like I always say this timeline is gonna be the the driving force of getting this case um, or really clearing David's name. It already it's already done a number of things, and uh, I already feel it clears his name, but you know, for some people, it, it it doesn't. So, we'll make sure everything is in there. Phone records, financial records, everything will be in there. Yeah. So people can quickly go over it and see. Hey, impossible for David to have done this, right? Yeah, so. and it's and it's very valuable for people who are just like, ah, oh, let me go back to this one day, or they want to know more about something that happened on this certain day or this certain thing. So they can always go back for whatever they're researching, whatever they're looking into, right? Whatever they're uh theory is or whatever they can always go back to this document and they can cross-reference and see exactly what did happen on on that day if you think there's something very interesting that happened on that day or if you know somebody is saying if somebody is telling you something happened on that day you can go back to this (laughs) to this timeline and see if that thing really happened on that day or if it didn't like alec wilkinson's article um, Catherine, any final words here? Um, I just want to say thanks to both you and William for inviting me to join you guys on this um, this live show. And um, I mean, I learned a lot, and I think we had a good discussion. And I'm looking forward to the next one, whether I'm just listening or purchase or or participating. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think there's a lot of great information here. Awesome. All right, everybody, I'm going to shut this one down. God bless you all, and thank you, everyone, who is uh, in our chat room for watching and taking A simple truth. It really is this simple. Either you believe David Crowley is innocent, or you believe he is guilty. If you believe David Crowley is guilty, you are wrong. If you believe David Crowley is innocent, you are right. It really is that simple. A United States Army veteran is dead. His wife and his five-year-old daughter are dead. A thorough investigation would only conclude with authorities admitting they lacked evidence to support their accusations. If authorities were to admit the case remains unsolved, they would also have to admit that the public may still be in danger. I am not able to solve this case. My interest is in forcing authorities to admit David Crowley is innocent. The reason they refuse to talk about this case is not because they are confident of David's guilt. They lack confidence in their allegations. Their department wishes to move on, but they are only lying to themselves. They must know the simple truth, and they need to publicly admit this. Their credibility depends on it now.
the unspoken truth is that David is innocent until proven guilty. Why are authorities running from this simple truth? How long do they think they can run for? You cannot run from God. You cannot run from your nightmares. And you cannot run from the facts. Why would anyone want to? What could possibly motivate someone to try? If you cannot prove David Crowley guilty, then he remains innocent. It's as simple as that. So the resistance we face is disgusting. If David was guilty, the evidence would be right in our faces. If David was guilty, resistance to our questions would not exist. If David was guilty, facts would be evident. There are no facts to prove David guilty. There are only facts which prove David innocent. Hence the resistance to getting justice for David Crowley and family. Who cares? Do the people who closed this case and decided to not speak about it ever again really care? Do the friends who accused David Crowley of being guilty days after his body was found really care? Perhaps they only care about spreading the accusations of David's guilt instead of researching the facts of this case. They don't seem to care about the facts which prove David innocent. Truth is a simple thing. Justice does not die. Facts prove David is innocent.